You're listening to Upon Further Review, presented by Coors Light on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, Eddie Pascal. Raider Nation, what is going on? Eddie Pascal back with Jesse Merrick at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us for another edition of Upon Further Review, brought to you by our pals at Coors Light. And Jesse, you and I broke down the Raiders' offense a week ago, cracking open a six-pack of questions in regards to that group in particular as we get ready for camp. Today, all things defense. So I will begin this week, since you got the, uh, got the party started last week, and a simple question for you. By the time we get into training camp, and ultimately by the time training camp ends, who is Rock Yasin's partner on the outside? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, I really like the move to bring in Rock Yasin. Oh yeah. By, by the way, I, I think that was a good one. Um, look, I, I know that you know around the uh, you know NFL media world or whatever, it seems like people are down on Trayvon Mullen, which I don't understand. I don't personally. either. Like, you you could tell me your your take on this one as we take a little sidebar on this question real quick. I, I hear a ton of people saying you know the biggest question around with the Raiders defense is the secondary. There is a question, but I don't think it's as big of an issue as a lot of people make it to be. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I, I think it's fair, as we sit here and record, I think yeah. it's fair to say it is a question, right? I mean, the fact that you and I don't know who that second corner is going to yeah. be, I think, is, is kind of just evidence of that. But I do agree with you where I don't think it's this colossal cloud hanging over the success of your 2022 Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, you and I have talked about this before. For better or for worse, playing DB in the NFL in 2022 is a position of failure. Yeah. I am not of the mind, at least anymore, until someone proves me wrong, that the, quote, lockdown corner is something that exists anymore. Right? Like you yeah. have really, really good cornerbacks. You have really, really good DBs. But it is a position of failure. The way that the rules are, the way that the rules are, the way that the game is called, the way that offenses exist and defenses are allowed to kind of exist off of that, it the, the lockdown corner is a myth. Yeah. Right? It's a myth. Deion Sanders ain't walking through that door. No, and if Deion, not in the AFC West. Exactly. Right now. <laughs> and if Deion Sanders was playing in 2022, would he be a really, really good DB? Yes. Would he be a Pro Bowl DB? Absolutely. Would he be an all-pro type player? A hundred percent. But this idea that you know he's going to take away a side of the field and, and he's going to line up against you know Devonte Adams and hold him to zero, it's just not going to happen. Exactly. So I, I think that this is a long way of saying. I think it's a question mark. I think that you and I and the rest of our, our local media are going to have to do some digging and figure out who's going to be that guy, who's going to be the third guy, the fourth guy, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not as concerned, perhaps as. Uh, some uh, some other folks are about the state of that group. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at as well with it. But yeah, I would say for me, I think it's going to be Mullen. You know, because I think look, he had some injury issues last year and everything 100%. like that. So the the consistency and availability in that sense was kind of brought into question. But I think he comes down and and locks this thing down. I think he's one of those guys. You know, early on in his career, came in. You know, he never really made a lot of noise, but was a guy that played solid football. You know, when he was out there, when he was healthy. And so that's where I think in this new defense with this staff. I think this could be a guy that maybe takes a big step next year. And, and, and I agree with you because I go back to 2019, which feels like a lifetime ago in Oakland. But, you know, the end of that first season, the end of his rookie season in, in 2019, you felt like Trayvon was turning a corner. Mm-hmm. Going back to 2020, and keep in mind, in 2019 and 2020, Trayvon didn't miss a game. Played six, started 16, well, I guess he started 10 as a rookie, but he played in all 16 games both of those years. Yeah. And I think especially in 2020, you felt like, all right, this dude is still on the ascent. This is a guy that is 
is perhaps knocking on the door of being in that really, really good club of AFC West DBs. Now, last year, you know, he misses 12 games, right? He only plays in those five. And so I I don't want to look at last year as a mulligan, but I almost look at it like, all right, if we see a guy that's getting better and better year after year and then has an unfortunate injury, like, if he comes back healthy, I don't know if we should just discount that trajectory, right? Yeah, no, I, I would agree 100%. You know, that I think the narrative is a little different this year, you know. Which uh, is fair. Yeah, because, I mean, look, if, if you have injury issues and all these things, you know, then you need to be able to prove that you can stay healthy, you know, at the end of the day. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, I, I think this is a guy that a lot of people forget that he was playing really good football, you know, and really kind of moved in the right direction. And then the kind of the wheels fell off a little bit there. So I, I'm excited to see, you know, what he's able to do, you know, with, you know, a long runway to get to the year. And I'm sure when you go through a season like that, you know, you're going to go into this kind of bulletproofing your body. And that's something that I'm sure he's been doing. We haven't had a chance to talk to him, you know, in the off season here that, uh, just yet, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to when we get the opportunity to speak with him, to hear what he's been doing, what he's been up to all those different things. And, and that's one guy that I'm really going to be paying attention to in the secondary. Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, he's a guy that is going to come into 2022 incre- with fresh legs. Yeah. Right? Like with fresh legs. And this is a guy who's had a lot of time over the past year plus now to really kind of self-assess to figure out, hey, what do I do well? What do I need to do to make myself uh, the best version of myself? And, and I think that you look at, at the situation that he's going to be put in here in, in 2022. And, and I think to your earlier point, it's a guy that that is poised to have a big step, is a, po- is guy, is a guy that can really kind of make the most of his situation. And I think that He's one of the the big, and I don't want to say mysteries in a bad way, but he's a guy that could be really kind of that X factor uh, in this DB room because I think you know what you're going to get out of Rock. Uh, I think Nate Hobbs has proven, uh, granted in a small sample size, what he can be. But all of a sudden now you get a healthy Trayvon Mullen and you're cooking a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. He, I think if you do that, then a lot more of the questions are answered in this secondary, I mm-hmm. think, too. You know, If he's able to do that, because then you look at where other guys slot in there, you know, no pun intended with Nate Hobbs then slotting in there in the slot. Yeah. You know, having those three guys out there, that's an interesting group to roll out. Very athletic group. Too. Yeah. Very athletic group. So uh, I think that, you know, we have a lot of things that we're going to look at on this defense. And, and I think that, you know, kind of just in, in a broader sense where you get ready for training camp 2022. And, and I think you and I have a pretty good idea of what this offense is going to look like, right? We yeah. have a pretty good idea with Devontae and Hunter and Waller and Josh and all these pieces, right? You have an idea. You have kind of a blurry picture of what the offense is going to look like. The defense, not so much just yet. And yeah. so I think that as, as we get ready for camp and once we get into camp, that's the group that I'm really going to be keyed in on. Uh, and I think that there's going to be some surprises. There are every single year. But I think if you were to say, Eddie, you know, put your money where your mouth is, where do you think the biggest surprise comes on this roster? It's going to be on the defense. I'd agree. Yeah. You know, there, there is so much unknown going into mm-hmm. it. Denzel Perryman is making sure of that, too. Yeah. <laughs> when he talked to us. I love talking to Denzel. And let's be clear, Denzel yeah. Perryman, you are not in, in jeopardy of not no. being a contributor. On exactly. Yeah. I just... It was great because he's like, I ain't telling you guys anything. Yeah, I love it. I, I I really do genuinely enjoy the guy, and most of the media members do yeah. as well. Um, but you know, he's good. He's not telling us anything. And you know, that's I think you know, wide ranging. You know, this defense is going to be a surprise to a lot of people because it's going to be so multiple. Mm-hmm. And we've talked, to, and that's the, the the word of the summer, right? Is multiple, yeah. and especially in regards to that defense, Patrick Graham, a guy that has been heralded from everyone that we've talked to about a mm-hmm. dude that is the ultimate adjustment maker, whether that's game to game, series to series, you know, play to play, whatever it 
it is. So uh, this offense, is, or excuse me, this defense is going to have a very unique look, I think, to it, literally week to week to week. And, and it'll be exciting to see how at least that first iteration will look when we get to week one. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and with that, you know, I was we kind of move along this one. I want to my, my next two questions are about the uh, the secondary here. Yeah, but let it go. I'm curious. let it rip. Let's keep it with the corners then, because we were talking about that. For sure. me, I'm curious. Do we see Nate Hobbs get any burn outside? Ooh, because this could even play yeah. into your question. Yeah, I mean, my gut tells me yeah a little bit. Uh, I I don't know if that's kind of his permanent home for 2022, but yeah. I think that. You know, you look at Nate, and and I think it's it's important to kind of keep our expectations within reason for this guy, right? He had a really, really good rookie year, uh, a surprising rookie year to a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, a surprising year to me. Like, I'll be honest, I didn't think that when, when he showed up at, at Illinois, he was going to have the kind of impact that he did. I mean, I'm sure he did, but, you know, I don't think that any of us sitting here were like, oh, yeah, this is a dude who's going to be a major difference maker on this defense. I think that we see him a little bit about a little bit outside. I mean, I think ultimately it's going to come down to Patrick Graham and where he thinks the best spot for Nate is. My gut tells me that he he stays primarily in the slot. I think that he's proven to be really good at that. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yeah. in emergency situation, absolutely. In certain really specific looks, sure, why not? But I think that if you're going to say, hey, where did the majority of his snaps come? I think it, I think it's on the inside again this year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But having said that, I think for the simple fact of how you know we talked about the offensive line guys getting moved around mm-hmm. and stuff, I sure. bet you we're going to see him line up outside a, a handful of times in training camp. You know, he because. I mean, if you follow Pro Football Focus, they're singing Nate Hobbs' praises in the slot, you know, all the time, talking about how he's one of the best slot defenders already, you know, in the NFL. So it's clear he can do that. So I bet you they throw him out there just say, hey, let's let's see what you can do on the outside here against yeah. these big dogs. And and the beauty of it is, Jesse, is there's no downside to no. doing that, None. right? I mean, Nate is a young dude. Nate is a guy going into year two, and I don't think there's any second-year player in the NFL that is a finished product. So if you say, hey, Nate, we love this part of your game, keep growing it. But hey, let's see what you do outside. I, I don't, in my mind, see any downside to doing that. None. Yeah. And, and the reason I asked that question, too, that, that kind of brought it up is uh, Nate took part in a charity basketball tournament uh, with Floyd Mayweather. And uh, my boss, Brian, was there. And he was raving about Nate and his athleticism. Okay, and Brian. Look, don't get me wrong. He's not going up against a lot yeah. of other pro athletes and things like that. It's a lot of average Joes in this tournament. But he said Nate was out there just freaking slamming it. I mean, he said he was just blown away. Brian's a good basketball player. Yeah. And he said that he was blown away by the athleticism of Nate Hobbs, just watching it, seeing it. And he's like, so the explosiveness that comes along with that, I'm real curious to see what he could do on the outside, you know, against some of these guys that are taking off deep. Yeah. I I mean, the beauty is, is that, you know, in the NFL, we were talking about the, you know, DBs being kind of being at a position of failure. It's like, if you're a freak athlete, let's see what you got, man. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, you're, we're not going to – I don't think there's an expectation that any of these DBs are going to be perfect, right? None no. of these guys are going to pitch a perfect game. So it's no. like, hey, if you can pitch like eight shutout innings, yeah, why not? Let's see what you got. So uh, I'm excited to see see what Nate brings in 2022. And, and you know, I know we talked about we think he's going to play my majority in the slot. Yeah. I, I think I should give the caveat, too. I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of your base corners outside either, though. So. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think ultimately, you know, this is just being devil's advocate. I think ultimately he does, you know, line up in the yeah. nickel here. But 
I, I do think we're going to see some uh, some plays out there from him, and yeah. I'm, I'm real excited to see it, just because I'd like to see how he goes and jumps with some of these big dogs. Just in, in general, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring in 2022, because yeah. and we talk about surprising rookie seasons, and I think that Nate Hobbs, is, and we talked about PFF, I mean, it felt like he was on every all-rookie list, every defensive list, every DB list that they yeah. were putting out, especially towards the end of the year, kind of those season and review lists. So how does he build on that that great foundation rookie year? How does he kind of get better off that? How does, how does he expand his skill set? And uh, and he's quickly becoming a, a fan favorite for good reason. I'm excited to see, hey, can he kind of harness this? Cause he, can he enjoy this moment that he's in? But also say like, yo, we got a, we got a long runway left to, to keep building and to keep getting better and better and better. Yeah, we do. And the other thing I'm curious about with him is I wonder if people start going away from him now. You know, they start maybe attacking outside further on the edges and things like that, you know, because we've seen in the past, sometimes these corners, you noted, there's not that, you know, Revis Island type yeah. guy anymore. But the P- teams start looking away from him. And does he not get as many opportunities to flash like that? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, has, it's he, has he garnered that kind of respect? In My gut tells me in a year, probably not. Yeah. I mean, if he does this again in 2022, I mean, if he has then, a yeah. bigger and better 2022 than he did last year, like, absolutely. Absolutely he's garnered that respect. And I'm not saying that Nate doesn't have the respect of, of people around the league. I'm just saying, no, like, exactly. you know, he's, at the end of the day, just a, not just, but he's a young dude mm-hmm. going into year two who had a really nice rookie year. And the reality is... You and I have seen it time and time again. There's guys that have really, really nice rookie years, and then six months later, you're like, "Oh, what happened to Player X?" Like, yeah. oh, I, you know, and and the you know the unspeakable, you know, the unspoken one is gotta stay healthy too. You do you gotta stay healthy. You definitely do. And another thing on Nate, I'm real curious to see how he's used as a blitzer because I think he was mm, very underrated yes. in that aspect of his game. I think it seems like almost every time he was sent on a blitz, he got home or at least affected the quarterback. To me, I, he is one of the most effective blitzers in the secondary that I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, and that's another great aspect of his game. But you know, to his credit, he was available in 2021. Yes, played all. Or excuse me, played 16 to 17 games, made nine starts. So I mean, if you can, if you can do that, if you can start stacking weeks and stacking seasons like that, like, all right, Nate Hobbs, let's see what you got. That's big stuff. It is big stuff. Speaking of big stuff and big human beings, uh, my question to you is question number three: Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler. The two rookie defensive tackles for your Las Vegas Raiders, they were selected back-to-back in the fourth and fifth round, respectively. What are our reasonable expectations for both of those young fellas in in 2022? And more specifically, what do you want to see out of them in training camp? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, between the two of them, that's, I think, maybe going to be a bit of a battle. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, to see how they both emerge. Farrell is an interesting one because... He comes in, and he was actually first among Power 5 D linemen in, uh, you know, in his run defense grade there by PFF. 89.9 is what he got. Uh, that, to me, is pretty dang good to get at uh, the 121st overall pick. Yeah, great you know? value. Yeah. So I think he's going to be a guy that brings an interesting little uh, you know, run-stuffing chops you know, to the table here and, and kind of where he slots into things there. Um, you know, in, in terms of Butler, he's a guy... I'm real curious to see, you know, what what his deal ends up being as well. I had some cool stats on him. I was looking through my phone. I can't find it, so I can't throw those ones out there. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. But having said that, he's a guy that is a bit more uh, of an edge rusher type of guy. Not edge rusher, but more of a pass rusher type specialist, I believe, if I remember right. And I want to see, you know, how the two of them maybe play off together. How many times we see them on the field together or if they are battling it out for, you know, a similar type position. You know, when I I think about those two guys in particular – I think that you're 100% right, where I think we are going to get a bit of a, you know, a training camp battle between the young fellows to see who kind of gets, you know, gets more run. But I think, and I know it sounds crazy, but I, I look at them together. So I look at, at Farrell and Butler separately, 
as dudes that can really compete and really contribute in 2022. I look at the tandem of Farrell and Butler, and I say 2023 is going to be a season for them in in conjunction that they're going to really do some exciting things on the on defensive line because yes they both come in and come in as defensive tackles I think they do to your point have a different skill set I think that uh, you know Matthew Butler has the ability to get after the quarterback a little bit more than Farrell does right now that's not to say that Neil won't develop into that but I I am excited to see kind of what they uh, you know kind of how they build off one another and who ends up really getting a little more run once we get into the preseason but speaking of the preseason those those are two guys that I'm going to have circled on my roster every week when we get into the preseason. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be watching them. And, and like, as you're, as you noted, you know, 2023 may be more the year mm-hmm. for them. Look at, you know, the simple fact of like with them and, uh, you know, uh, Parham and uh, Thayer, you know, those yeah. are guys like really kind of like depth draft picks, you know, does that make sense? You know, they almost feel like, and, and I, mean this in a good way they almost feel like futures bets yes you know exactly I mean? that's a much better way to put it yeah and, and that was the way that i viewed it when they took them i was like oh this is good insurance for you know down the road you know for this staff and and they said they just took best player available i believe them you know by the way that their draft strategy worked out um you know at least at least how they had them graded but uh those are two guys that are very interesting guys that were very successful in the sec and that goes a long way because yeah. look i mean that is one of, if not the most physical divisions in football, and we all see the dogs that come out of there. So if you're able to compete at a high level in the SEC, that bodes well for your career in the NFL. And it, it is going to be fun to see what they are able to do, you know, when they get these opportunities here in the preseason. And, and the thing is, too, is you know the Raiders fans have been so lucky over the past couple of seasons, where Jonathan Hankins has just quietly gone about his business, right? He, you know, he doesn't make a lot of headlines. He's just a dude that is really good and really effective at his job. The sad reality is, though, I mean, once again, you are one sprained ankle away from big-time Hank from asking one of these young dudes to kind of step in and play meaningful snaps. So I know we, we talked last week about, you know, some, whether it's, it's a Parham or, uh, or one of the running backs or whoever it is, and, or Thayer, and if they were to take a red shirt in 2022, I don't think there'd be any Raiders fans that would, be, that would take umbrage with that. Same thing with these two guys, right, where I think that obviously they will both play. I think they will both get meaningful snaps throughout the year. But, if you, you know, if they're primarily special teams guys, if they're primarily uh, guys that are, that are going to get, you know, call it 8, 10 snaps a game and, and 2023 is really their year, not a bad thing at all. Yeah, and I think Farrell going to be one of those guys that's uh, much like a Jonathan Hankins. Yeah. That, you know, big-bodied guy. Big boys. But you see him moving around like a slippery bar of soap, like real quick, speedy type of guy when you're like, how is this dude able to move that quickly? You know, that's something that's interesting there. And, and I just jumped up the uh, uh, draft profile of Butler to kind of take a refresher on what things were said about him. One of the things that really stuck out to me was his motor, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing. You pair him with a guy like Max Crosby and get him in the same room as him, you know, obviously not same position, but just same D-line room. I think those motors are going to feed off of each other and going to be fun to kind of see how they're able to just, you know, continue to push each other. You know, oddly enough, I was watching the uh, the Matthew Butler uh, hype video on Raiders.com literally yesterday, completely you know, unrelated, unrelated to this, but I mean, he's a dude that, you know, he has those big explosive, um, you know, game changing type of plays. And now look, it's a highlight reel. So that's all you're, all you're seeing. But I mean, the fact that to your point, he did it in the sec, that he did it in the best conference, as much as I love the conference of champions, as much as he, as he did it in the best conference, top to bottom. And he was a guy that made an impact that he was a guy that you felt him out there I think bodes very well for him headed into 2022 and he's also a guy that you know many people had noted you know one of his best games in college was against Alabama and yeah that helps that's a team that comes right at you that has a whole lot of dogs you know so that's the thing where look if you're able to shine the brightest against some of the best competition 
that is huge, you know, to be able to do that. So it's one of those things, you know, he didn't wilt under pressure. And there's no higher pressure than when you come to the league as a rookie trying to make your mark here, you know, throughout training camp and show that you belong, you know. So that's one of those things where he's going to be, you know, given some opportunities here. What can you do with it? And can, can you continue to show out against top talent? Because now you're facing the cream of the crop here in the NFL. Yeah, week after week after week. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I guess you're doing that in the SEC. But it's like, yeah. you know, you look at the SEC and it's like, oh, there's you know, 30% of those guys are going to play in the NFL. Well, now you're in the NFL where 100% of those guys yeah. are, are kind of playing at that. All of them are NFL players. Yeah, every single one of them. Yeah. Even, you know, even some of the guys in the practice squad, yeah. legit NFL players. Yep. But yeah, it'll be exciting to see both of these young guys. And, and I think that, you know, there's so much we can take from camp, but I think with those two guys in particular, the tr- the, the preseason games are really where you're going you're gonna to learn a lot about the big dudes. Yeah, definitely. It's that's that just the... The sheer number of people that they have. Yeah, I mean, hey, Dave and Josh love them a big fella on the defensive line. That is true. And and that's where I think maybe similar to kind of last year, uh, you know, with uh, Gus Bradley, you know, maybe you start to see, you know, those waves of Mm -hmm. guys sent out in there. And that is also going to be fun to see the way that this, you know, new defense kind of slides guys all over the place. Again, that versatility, that buzzword. How many different positions are we going to see so many of these guys line up in? And that's um, what's fun to watch. I mean, before we get to your question, I mean, like, the the first thing that I thought of is, like, I know that we have this assumption that Chandler Jones is going to come from the outside. I have to imagine that he's a guy that's going to go move, that he's going to move around a lot during the course of a 60-minute football game. Yeah, I would imagine Max is another guy that's yeah. going to stand up. Yep. You know, I mean, he he has proven he is one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL. You don't believe me? Go ahead and talk to Von Miller, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, he will tell you and sing Max's praises. So those two guys together, the versatility you can have, how many times are we going to maybe see them on the same side to overload That'll, the offensive oof. line? Oof. That's scary. Could you imagine? Chandler Jones, oh, um, the the uh, the Cardinals don't want to see him. No, no, no. <laughs> you no. know, Kyler Murray doesn't want to be sacked. What was it, five times by him or however many? Something was like that. that one yeah, game? that was wild. But yeah, it, it's going to be look. Especially we talked about a week to week to week to week. Uh, seeing what Patrick Graham does and, and kind of the the chess match that this dude's going to be playing with the offensive coordinator on the other side of the field. It's going to be a lot of fun. It yeah. really is. Uh, question four, Jesse Merrick, what you got? All right. So for me, uh, let's jump back into the secondary. Another guy that I'm going to be watching a lot is Trayvon Merrick. Yes. What kind of jump are we going to see from him now in this defense? My gut tells me not to be Homer Eddie, a big jump. I know that's kind of a hard, uh, you know, it's kind of a nebulous term, but I, I think it's going to be a big jump for Trayvon because, I mean, you look at how, just for lack of a better term, how solid he was as a rookie how kind of mature he was on the back end of that defense. And he ha- certainly had those those rookie moments, right? I mean, there's the one interception that he that he should have had that should have ended that football game. There were a couple other moments of big plays that could have, would have, should have been made. I think in year two, I'm not going to say all of those plays, all of those explosive plays are made, but I think certainly more of them are made than when he was a rookie. So I think when you just pair the fact that he's going to be a year older, he's going to be a year wiser, and he had a really, really nice rookie season – I think, you know, for lack of a better term, big jump for Trayvon in 2022. I believe so, too. You know, he's that guy. I I think this defense may also be a little more better suited to, like, his skill set. You know, the simple fact of, like, we'll be able to kind of see him maybe roam around a bit more, be more of that free safety type of guy cruising around in the backfield. And uh, his big thing, you know, coming out of college, people were talking about the fact that, you know, he can read the quarterback, you know, better than most. I mean, he I I forget the exact numbers, but I know he had crazy interception numbers, you know, throughout college and things like that. And that was what initially got him to kind of jump up draft boards and caught people's attention on him. So I think that's a guy where, as you noted, we're going to see him make more of those plays, you know, because 
less thinking. And well, not not necessarily less thinking because he's you're learning a new defense yeah. now here, but it's your two you're not also thinking of how the heck am I becoming an NFL player? What's my process? What's my blah 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 all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got a lot of those things figured out, you know, and that's what you hear most guys talk about is how to be a pro. I think he's got that part of it figured out. Now it's just come in, learn, and I think they'll allow him to to do more of that and be more creative and just kind of gauge what the quarterback's doing and roam around a bit more to take advantage of that uh, unique skill set that he does have. You know, I, I think almost the bigger question for me in 2022 is who's his partner on the back end, right? Like yeah. that that to me is like, all right, like we we know what John Abram brings to the table, right? And and when John is is playing his brand of football and, and when he is is doing what he needs to do, very good defensive back, right? Certainly not a perfect defensive back, but like, as we said, I don't think one exists in 2022, but what is this, you know, what does this new staff think about Jonathan? How do they kind of view him and his role in 2022? I know that, you know, Dallin Levitt is a, uh, is a guy that everyone seems to have a feeling about, right? Everyone seems to have opinion about friend of the program, Dallin Levitt, but I mean, where does he fit in? Like, there's just a lot of questions about who's going to end up playing next to Trayvon, because I think that as we sit here and record, we know we. I feel pretty good about not even penciling Trayvon in, putting him in permanent marker yeah. about he's going to have that job. Who is the job next to him is, is kind of my, my big question as we get ready for camp. Yeah, that's a really good one. And as you're talking, one of the names that comes to mind for me is Roger Teamer. Yeah. You know, what do we see out of that guy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He was he was a really interesting piece at times last year, played well you know, throughout the season in, in some of the spurts that he got. I'm real curious to see what these uh, new coaching staff thinks about him and what kind of opportunity he receives there. And we talked about it last week where the coaching staff from Dave Ziegler all the way you know, down, they made it very clear that they're coming in with no preconceived notions on anybody. Yeah. So everyone is going to get an equal shake to show what they can do, and especially on the back end of that secondary where, like I said, it is a, a position of talent but a position of question marks. Like there's there's no reason why Roger Teamer can't put his best foot forward, kick some ass over the course of a training camp and preseason. It's like, yo, I need to be on this football field and I need to be on this team and have a, a meaningful role on this defense. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that's one guy that's going to be interesting. You know, Tyree Gillespie, another guy mm-hmm. who could be in the mix. You yep. know, what do we see out of him? Um, you know, th- there's just a lot of names that are going to be interesting to see because uh, right now, like as you noted, like we have no idea what this coaching staff thinks about. Most of the guys on this roster. Obviously, you can check off like Derek Carr. You can check off Devontae Adams, Max. You can check out. You just named all the guys that got paid. So exactly, (laughs) like you know Hunter. You know, yeah, we can keep naming. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, it's very clear what they think about a lot of those guys. But there's so much you know ambiguity for a lot of the guys on this team. But you know, you noted uh, Jonathan Abram. I think personally. Not getting that fifth-year option picked up, picked up for him could be the best thing that's happened to him because, Hmm. to me, I feel like he's a guy like. That when he's got like a chip on his shoulder, he's got something to prove. He feels like maybe he's been slighted. I don't want to put words in his sure. mouth, you know. But I'd imagine that's probably how you would feel, you know, if that doesn't happen, if they don't pick something like that up. And you can come into it and say like, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to show you that I deserve to be paid. I deserve to be here. To me, I think Abram and just his playing style is going to be well suited towards something like that and be able to come in and, and feel like he does have something to prove. Yeah, and I think that you know, kind of the narrative surrounding John, especially kind of after his media availability during the off season, was oh, you know, he's, he's, is he being quiet? Is he stand off? You know, all this kind of stuff. And 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 to me, and you know, I'm not going to pretend to be best friends with Jonathan Abram, but we've been, you know, he's been here since the team was in Oakland. Yeah. And the Jonathan Abram that we see now is very different than the Jonathan Abram as a rookie. Yes. In a good way, mm-hmm. right? And and so I mean. You know, the Jonathan Abram that we saw as a rookie and on Hard Knocks with the Salmon and the singing and, and the, you know, pumping his chest, like, that was that was the John Abram of then. We are now looking at an 
older, an older, more mature, more even keeled Jonathan Abram. Uh, and so I think that while the future for John past 2022 is is perhaps a little bit murky, I think in 2022, like this is a guy that can undoubtedly help this football team and a guy that is going to help this football team in what role that's what remains to be seen exactly and the one thing too with him the biggest thing is going to be consistency 100 you know we heard gus talk about that a lot when it came to jonathan abram and like he shows flashes where it's like man this is why this guy was a first round pick he can fly around he can wallop you but then there's a breakdown in coverage you know and that's the thing where look everyone has breakdowns in coverage as we noted with the corners like that's just today's nfl but can you do these things consistently day in and day out, stick to the scheme, really you know, stick to your assignment, handle your deal there uh, on a very consistent basis and be a guy that the coaching staff can rely on to be in the right place at the right time? And I think that's what a lot of this defense is going to be. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bunch of guys being asked to freelance. I think it's going to be, hey, look, this is our scheme. This is what we're doing. Stick to it. And there's going to be a couple guys that have sure. that leeway to kind of move around and do things. You know, we I know we've you know talked about that clean slate, and I think that John is a guy who could benefit immensely from just you know a defensive coaching staff coming in and saying, look, man, like we we've seen what you've done the past X amount of years. Like that was in the past. Like show me what you got today. Show me what you can do over the next four weeks. Show me what you can do during the preseason, and let's let's figure out a way to make you the best version of you. Because, like, look, let's be honest. Like, if we're talking on talent alone, Jonathan Abram was one of the most talented defensive backs on this roster. Yeah. Right? Regardless of, of the inconsistency, regardless of, of things that have gone well or things that have not gone well for him, I mean, if you just look at his skill set and what he is capable of being, he is one of the most talented defensive backs on this roster. So now it's like, hey, we're going to come in, we're going to acknowledge the past, we're going to say, hey, what happened happened, but that's done. Like, let's see what you can can do in 2022. And I, I have a feeling in my heart of hearts that it is going to be a good, it is going to be productive, and we play this game all the time. Uh, is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I think 2022 for John Abram is very much going to be a thumbs up. I'd imagine so, too. I, I, he's another one of those guys, and I feel like I've said it multiple times as we talked about the offense, the defense, but like I'm just excited to see what he does mm-hmm. with this opportunity. You 100%. Know, with, with the clean slate. And that is what is so interesting You know, when you bring in a new coaching staff, that it's like it just kind of it wipes everything clean, and then we get to see, you know, People viewed in a different light, you know, and used in different opportunities. And and again, sometimes that's the best thing for a player to just get that fresh opportunity. You know, before we go on to the next question, I think that we talked about that clean slate and, and Josh and Dave and their staffs being very vocal about that. I, I think it's one thing, you know, to say it, right? And I think you hear it around the league a bunch of, oh, everyone's coming in with the chance. But I really think that Josh and Dave are coming in with that 100% openness, with that transparency, with that like, hey... We're putting together the best 53. Like, let's see who's part of that 53. It doesn't matter if you're a first-round pick or if you're a UDFA. And, and like, the reality is, is that a lot of these decisions, a lot of these personnel moves were made prior to them getting here, yeah. right? And so I think it's easy to say, oh, we're going to go in with an open mind. But I think these guys are really, like, sincerely coming in with an open mind saying, look, we're taking stock of what we have. That's been, you know, priority number one since they got here is what do we have on this team? Dave Ziegler was talking to us the other day, and he goes, you can't really, you know, begin to look around the league until you know your team. That was his priority, was to get to know this team. So I think for John, for a lot of these guys, having a chance to kind of, you know, introduce themselves again, I think is going to be huge. Absolutely huge. And to that note, like, it's one thing, okay, yeah, in mini camp when you're running around in shorts and a helmet, even in training camp when you're in pads against your own team, they're not really going to know what they've got until we see some live fire in the preseason. Again, that's still not even a full, like, real game, but that's the first opportunity that they'll get to see what these guys can do. Because there's a lot of guys that can look like superstars in shorts and helmet. For sure. But then you get them in there and it's real football, 
and you know maybe they wilt or maybe they shine whatever it is that's when I think we're really going to get a gauge on what these guys think of these players and they're also really going to be able to be like okay this is what we've got in XYZ player whatever the heck it is you know yeah. that's going to be the interesting time to see because then that's when it's it's for real yeah a thousand percent so moving on to question number five uh, once again kind of an open-ended type situation question for you Jason Merrick Divine Diablo yeah. in 2022 when we get to training camp, as we progress through training camp, what are just kind of your overall expectations for him individually? Because you look at Divine last year, a guy that appeared in all 17 games as a rookie, kind of carved himself out a really nice role on the latter part of that season. Uh, and a guy that I don't want to say is a bit of a mystery as we sit here right now, but I don't know what the expectation is for him this season and, and kind of how we feel like he's going to take that next step in, in his progression in 2022. So just Divine Diablo, overall expectations. What do you think we see over the next month, two months? Yeah, Divine's an interesting one. You know, obviously he was dealing with something throughout, uh, you know, sure. minicamp. So. The red non-contact jersey, which exactly. which did throw me off because because he's in the single yeah. digit too. I was like, do we have another quarterback? Right. Like, that is the biggest quarterback I've ever seen. This quarterback's jacked. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, um, it, it does. I remember when he first switched to the single digit, I was like, wait a second. I was yeah. like, oh, this looks kind of weird, but it's also kind of cool. It is very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but no, yeah, Divine Diablo is one of those guys. I really like his game. I mean, he came on late last year and really started to kind of flourish, you know, in, in pass protection, or not pass protection, in pass coverage and things like that, you know, going against backs. That, that to me, I think is, you know, his best asset. But, like, we talked about, you know, when he got drafted. I mean, this is a guy that comes in with some size, some height, some speed, where it's like, wow, this guy, just one of those, like, I think I remember talking about him as like that positionless player, you know, that you see in basketball. That's kind of my take on him. He's a guy that you could see lined up at any different position along the defense and you wouldn't necessarily be surprised. Uh, so coming into 2022, he's a guy I've got my eye on to see if he can really lock down that, you know, second linebacker spot there alongside, you know, Denzel Perryman. And if so, that's going to be massive for the Raiders because then they get two guys that are rangy, that have that quickness, that can move around, do so many different things. And he can be more of that coverage type linebacker and let Denzel fly around and be that like sea ball, hit ball, heat seeking missile type of guy. Yeah. And, and I agree with you where he was a guy that, you know, really kind of came on towards that last part of the season, right? You kind of start to, you got a chance to see like, oh, this is like, this is like a dude. Like, this is not like a guy who's just going to be a special teams contributor. Like, this is a, this is a dude who can play some serious big time football. So yeah. uh, I am curious. And I think the big thing with Divine is, is just the health status as we get to training camp. Mm. Um, obviously, you don't want to see anyone in a red non-contact jersey. That's not a quarterback. But if you do see a guy in a, in a red jersey, you'd rather it be in May and June exactly. than July or August. So uh, I think kind of getting a status update on, on where he is physically will be huge. But uh, he's a guy that I'm very excited about. Right. And I think our hope, our expectation is, to your point, is that he locks down one of those linebacking jobs and it's him and Denzel and and a player to be named later, and, mm -hmm. and they kind of solidify that linebacking core. But the talent is there. The physical intangibles are all there. Like, this is a dude who looks the part of an NFL linebacker, uh, and I'm just excited to see what Patrick Graham views as his kind of best, uh, you know, kind of his best role to help this defense going forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think he does end up locking down that, you know, Sam linebacker spot, and, you know, that's where we do see him, you know, start to maybe flourish a mm -hmm. bit more. Um, and the cool thing is, is like, how great is it when you see a rookie get an opportunity and flourish in it and yeah. continue to get more and more opportunities and just continue to get better and better? Yeah, there were some moments and things like that where he obviously didn't have his best, you know, stuff, but that happens to everyone. You know, so for me, that's where I think, okay, look, he's had another year under his belt, a full off season to get ready for this year. Again, is you know, dealing with some stuff, but 
when he's healthy, I, I can't wait to see what he can do simply from the fact of like, man, this guy has so many different measurable qualities that you can use and the athleticism that he brings to the table is something that few players can say at his size. Yeah, and a tip of the cap to the, the Raiders' previous coaching staff for bringing him along. And I think his timeline, I mean, you look at it in hindsight now, like that was a timeline that worked out really well because, you know, he started as just like a special teams kind of dude and then he earned a little bit more. He earned a little bit more. He earned a little bit more. And then especially over that last four or six weeks of the season when this, when this Raiders team went on a run, he was out there, it, it felt like, almost every snap. He was out there taking a job. Yeah. You know? And that's what, look, at the end of the day, that's why you draft yep. these guys. You don't draft them because, oh, we want this depth, whatever. Like, we want this guy to be a really good, you know, second teamer. No, no, no. We want this guy to come take someone's job. And that's what he did. 100%. And that's, that's, that is massive. And I, again, I think people don't realize how hard it is to do that as a rookie, you know? And that to me speaks volumes for what the guy can do moving forward and kind of the launching pad that it can create for, you know, 2022 for him. Yeah, and that's the hope, right? That is the hope that this is a guy, along with the rest of that rookie class, they really take that next step, that big leap from year one to year two across the board and say, hey, like that 2021 draft class, like, hey, they're they're out here making some noise now. So, Jesse Merrick, bring us home. Question six of our final, uh, our final b- uh, brewski on this defensive six pack. All right, so who emerges as the number three pass rusher? Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah. That is a good one because obviously you know what you got in Max and you mm-hmm. know what you got in Chandler. Oh, man. That is a great question as I pull up the roster here because, I mean, we were taught, we were joking about it earlier, but it feels like all Dave and Josh have done is, is collect you know, defensive linemen, DTs, defensive Tons ends. I mean, there's, there is no shortage of, uh, of, of kind of options there. Mm, as I go through it, I'm gonna go with the familiar name. I'm gonna go with Malcolm Koontz. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a guy that we talk about guys that kind of earned their way into more reps in 2021. Uh, a dude that flashed that said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm here. I'm hanging out. Like, don't forget about me." Uh, and you see, he certainly got the pedigree of a dude who can get after it. Uh, I'm gonna go with him. I'm yeah. gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Malcolm Koontz. So I, I that was gonna be mine. So I'll, I'll differ from the pack and throw out like my deep sleeper. Yeah, give me one guy here because uh, I really like what Malcolm Koontz brings to the table. And and for me, the way I'm approaching this question, just to clarify for everyone out there, I, I'm disregarding the D tackles. No disrespect to them. I'm just talking pure pass rusher on sure. the edge. That's that's what I want to see. And I I always I feel like I've act, asked you this a million times, Jerry or Gary Green. Oh, uh, Will Kiss, where are you? We need to get, <laughs> I always, you know, yeah. You know, we need to do, Alexandra, at some point, we need to install like a direct line from our podcast studio up here straight to PR. Yeah. So when we have these pronunciation questions, I can just hit the button because obviously I've talked back to Alexandra mm-hmm. or Ray or whoever's back there. I need to talk back to Will. So I can say, Will, we yeah. need a pronunciation. What is this? My one? gut tells me. Gary, I believe it is. I, I Gary, just, I, maybe. And, uh, I feel bad because I, I always. Sorry, Gary, it. Jerry. Yeah, he's one of my favorite guys to watch in practice, though. Honestly, and he was uh, predominantly on the practice squad last year. But he's the guy that I think the explosiveness that he brings to the table. You know, he was like when you would see the you know the guys racing. Like back then, the, the big thing was like unique and Max racing yeah. on all the different things anytime. And, and you know. Green, I'm just gonna call him Green. So yeah, but G Green. Yeah, my guy was always like right there, you know, right with him, step for step. And he's got speed, explosiveness, all this stuff. And to me, like last year, I was just like, why is this not guy not getting an opportunity? You know, so he's one. This is like again, like deep, deep sleeper. I mean, you know? big boy too, six yeah. four, two fifty. Like yeah. that's that's nothing to sneeze at. He's just got interesting tools to watch. Real, you know, real quick and, and violent in his movements. You know, uh, one of those guys that you know just has that like Tasmanian devil element mm-hmm. to his game. You know, 
Uh, I love watching him working against the bag and things like that. So I want to see what he can do with the fresh slate, with the new coaching staff in there, and see what he does if he does get an opportunity to kind of jump up into there, you know, into the mix, and maybe he does become that rotational guy that is like your third type pass. And, right. and you know, to be fair, I mean, it's you know, you look at some of the names that, especially on the on the defensive as a def- pure defensive end. You know, there's not a clear, I don't think, favorite for no. that job. I yeah. mean, I'm going down the roster right now. We got Tashawn Bauer. We're obviously excluding Max from this. Yeah. Uh, you know, Klee listed as a defensive end. Gary slash Jerry. Uh, you know, Malcolm Koontz is there. Myron T- uh, Tungavailoa Amosa. Zach Van Valkenburg. You know, there, there's not a, a ton of, you know, recognizable names in that group. So yeah. I think that when you're really talking about that battle for that third, you know, you know, third down specialist kind of dude. I mean, hey, it's open season, and there's no reason that any of these guys can't go out and earn that job in, in preseason. It really is. And you mentioned Clee. I think under this coaching staff, I think he's going to get more of the, you know, moved inside a bit mm-hmm. and, and be able to use sure. some of his skill set in there. I mean, to to my my view of him, I've always thought that he's played best on the inside. I would know? agree, yeah. And I always wondered with the previous staff, like, why aren't you throwing this guy inside more? So I, I think – that maybe will shine through to this coaching staff, in my mind, that, hey, this guy belongs more on the inside. Yeah, and I think that we, we've talked a lot about the, the evaluation that Dave and Josh have done and, and looking at the film from, from a year ago. And I'm sure in the case of a guy like Klee, who's really looking at his film from the past several years. And, and I'm with you, where I think that Klee, historically speaking, has been at his best on the inside. Now, certainly, does he have the ability to pop outside for, for a rep or two? Absolutely. Uh, but I think that you know now as we go into, what is this, year four for him? Yeah. As we go into year four, we have seen that when he is at his best, when he is impacting this team in a positive way, it is on that inside. And, you know, hey, maybe he he has had some sort of, you know, he's hit a rebrand over the offseason and yeah. he's kind of changed his, his uh, perspective and, and what he can do on the outside. And maybe he is a valuable pass rusher on the outside. But I'm just saying from what we've seen thus far, Clee Farrell on the inside is, is the kind of the best Clee Farrell we've seen. Yeah, inside more of that run stuffer type yep. of guy. You know, that's that's been his game. And I think, you know, playing in more of a defense that's going to be more 3-4-esque, you know, based, I think that'll help him. You know, yeah. he's not going to be lined up at nose, you know, in a, yeah. in a scheme like that. He'll be, you know, that edge, you know, uh, defender type there. But I think that's going to be real good and conducive for him in his game. You know, we talked about John Abram a minute ago about him just, you know, taking taking the name out of it. Just ultimately one of the more talented DBs. I mean, Cleve Farrell is still a, a very talented dude. Yeah. Right? And I know the production hasn't been there as of late. And but he is still at the end of the day, an incredibly talented guy that was a first-round pick for a reason. Yeah. And so, he, like, you just got to, at some point, got to figure out how do we make the most of, of who he is and what he's capable of doing. Yeah, and he was a guy last year, I remember, um, I think it was during training camp. It might have been in the offseason around this time, but I believe it was training camp. Kind of saw him and was, like, impressed just with, with the way the body looked. Yeah. Like, he slimmed down a bit more. So, I'm curious now... This year, you know, things were a little further away. Couldn't really see a lot of the D linemen. So I think maybe in training camp, I'm curious to see what he looks like, you know, what, what kind of work he's put in the offseason uh, and how the body comes back looking. And especially with the new staff. I mean, for a guy like him, preseason going to be huge, yeah. right? Because, you know, we talked about you can see only so much during, uh, you know, during OTAs, during even even during training camp. And so I think for him, uh, kind of showing out over the course of that month in the preseason, I think going to be very, very important for him to kind of show this staff like, hey, this is what I do. This is what I do really well. And if you want me to be able to, you know, kind of impact this team, you know, in the most positive of ways, these are the positions that I need to be put in. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And I feel like we kind of glossed over Coons just because we both really agreed on that yeah. one. But man, that's a kid like he has, you, you know, you could see the, po- the previous coaching staff light up 
anytime you talked about yeah. the skill set that he had. That's where like I'm really excited to see in a defense like this with Patrick Graham, who's going to be a little bit more creative in the way that he could be used, the situations that they put him in, and what he's even added to the table. You know, maybe how many you know pounds maybe he's packed on uh, as he comes back. I mean, that's a guy. Ooh, he's going to be interesting to watch because he had some moments where he flashed last for sure. And we talked. I know last week we talked about uh, you know. Uh, Thayer Mumford and, and Dylan and as guys that could possibly have a redshirt and, and I mean you know there was there was a, a version in which Malcolm Coons did have a bit of a redshirt last year only yeah. appeared in five games but I mean we taught you know the fact that we're talking about him and we remember plays where he made an impact I mean it's not the worst thing in the world to be able to sit back to be able to have a chance to learn to be able to chance to hone your craft and say look in year two like I'm ready to go like you guys saw what I could do a little bit over the course of the season in, in you know, kind of bits and spurts in 2021. Like he's objectively going to be bigger, stronger, faster in year two. And I'm assuming he learned a ton from having that chance last year to kind of sit back, not relax, but to, to you know, look at things from a, a different vantage point. And like, yeah, I mean, if you're, we talked about futures bets. If you're placing futures bets, I mean, Malcolm Kuntz is one that you you should be you should be hitting. Hundred percent. And also, like, let's not forget about the fact that he's got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Hundred percent. That, and that, and you know, not only that, but they're going to eat up a lot of a lot of attention. Yeah. Right. For good reason. And so, if you're Malcolm Kuntz, and you're like, hey. Max is going to get a ton of attention. Chandler's going to get a ton, a ton of attention. Now it's on me to win my one-on-one battle. you got to love that position if you're him. 100%. And also, even if he comes in maybe on a second wave, you yeah. know, after guys, because the O-line doesn't shuffle waves of guys. It's yeah. the same dudes out there for the whole game, you know, barring injury. So, I mean, you come in after, you know, going 10 rounds with Max and uh, Chandler, and, you know, and you get a guy in there who's that speed-type rusher like Malcolm Kuntz that's got some really good tools in the bag to work with. I mean, he should be licking his chops, ready to uh-huh. feast on these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be very exciting for him. And, and, you know, we talked about a lot. It'll be exciting just for this defense, for us to get a chance to learn this defense. Because we talked about it at the top where, you know, you and I think have a pretty good idea of what this offense is going to look like. A lot of question marks in a good way yeah. for this Raiders defense in 2022. So as we get into camp, as we progress to the preseason, it'll be a lot of fun for us, I think, to just kind of go along on this journey and, and learn and learn and learn. And just seeing so many different, you know, uh, you know, personnel groups, yeah, things like that that they can do. Because again, you know, Patrick Graham's favorite word, you know, we talk about on the offensive side of the ball, versatility was probably their favorite word. His it has to be multiple, multiple, you know. And, and so that's the thing where I'm real curious to see. Okay, what does that multiple look like? How many multiples of multiple are we talking here? You know? Yeah, I mean, I I, I very much think it's going to be kind of that like uh, that mad scientist. Like, yeah. what are we seeing here? Like, this is new. This is fun. This is exciting. Oh, hang on, he's asking this player to do that. Wow. Like let's write that, yeah. that that one down in the notebook. So it's going to be a blast. We have a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of really exciting things to keep our eye on. Uh, and speaking of things to keep an eye on, next week we'll do uh, do one more of these. We'll talk about my boys, the law firm, the specialists, uh, special teams in general, and, and what we can expect from that group. So. Uh, for Eddie Pascal, for Jesse Merrick, for Ray and Alexandra, and everyone else at Silver and Black Productions, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us. And we will bring the series home next week. Je- oh, Jesse, I forgot. How rude of me. 30 seconds of plugs. <laughs> Where can the people find you before I officially kick us out? I got you, man. On Twitter, at JesseNews3LV, or you can just find me at Jesse Merrick with an underscore at the end on Instagram as well. And most nights on News 3 as well, doing my thing with Brian. I apologize. How rude of you. No, it's all I was good. just so it's excited, and, you know, I, I was the, the spirit had taken over. I was in the zone, and I forgot to give you your plug. So you heard the man. Go follow him and all that good stuff and see him on TV every night here in Las Vegas. And you will see us again, same time, same place, next week to talk about all things specialists on Upon Further Review. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this edition of Upon Further Review, presented by Coors Light on the official Raiders Podcast Network.